This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Today, I want to title my message, The Impossible Comeback. The Impossible Comeback. There are a lot of impossible situations that we feel and we sense and we go through in our lives. Very often, may I add. Uh, an impossible situation or an impossible thing would be looking at a dead person and telling that person to come back to life. Uh, from a very normal standpoint, a dead person is dead. That person's not going to live again. It's the way life works. It's the circle of life. Uh, an impossible situation is when you're at the bottom of the ninth and you're 10 runs behind and somebody says, y'all can still do it. And the team's like, no, I, I think we're done. I think we're almost done. An impossible situation is at the two minute warning if the Cowboys are two scores down, right? And you know that they're not gonna make it. So you're heading to the parking lot even before the game is over because you know it's an impossible situation. Man, we all have a comeback story. Uh, and we all love a comeback story. I mean, unless it involves Tom Brady and whatever team he's playing for. You know, we don't want to talk about that. But it might be this guy who failed in business, who didn't get into law school. He, he lost a race for a legislature seat. He went bank, bankrupt soon after that. He got engaged to a beautiful woman who died a few months later. He goes on to run for Congress three times and loses. He then runs for senator twice and he lost. He runs for VP, he loses. And in 1860, Abraham Lincoln is elected the president of the United States of America. That's an amazing comeback story. Or if it's the story of Robert Downey Jr., the Iron Man. I know some of you single ladies had a moment there. A spiritual experience. Um, someone was like, why only married women? And, uh, why only single women? All the married women were like, what about us? No. Rotten alcohol, put in prison, life of drugs completely destroyed him, but went from there to becoming one of the most highest paid actors in all of Hollywood. Or this woman whose name was Bethany Hamilton, who was a surfer, had her arm bit off by a shark, but comes back in an amazing story where she comes back into surfing, professional surfing, only to be applauded and winning in a big way. Man, some of us have stories very similar, setbacks, that you may have recovered from at some point in your life, or you probably never recovered from, or you're trying at the moment desperately to recover from. Uh, it could be an example that I can give you. We had a plant in our home. We put it outside, and over the winter, we forgot to bring it in. Some of y'all know what, exactly what I'm talking about. You, we forgot to bring it in at the right time, and the cold front hit, killed the plant, and we don't have a plant. But guess what we do every day? We keep watering it, hoping that it will come back to life. Anybody been there? Chris, have you been there? Like, Nissi doesn't allow you to throw that plant out, right? Because she believes and hopes that that plant is going to come back to life. Or it could be the belief that my parents have or my wife has that my hair is going to grow back. 
right? Like I keep telling them it won't happen and they're like, try this oil and that oil. (laughs) Somebody said, cast the devil out of your hair. They just keep going. But there's one commonality in each of the stories I shared with you. Each and every comeback story had a setback story. See, a setback story, or in some cases, multiple setback stories. I don't know if you've been there in the past, but sometimes when it rains, it pours. Sometimes when you go through life and you go through one setback, you're like, you know what? This is going to be done. I'm going to come out victorious. And as you're coming out, life just hits you all over again. I woke some of you all up. We all have a setback story. Some of y'all are stuck in your career. Some of y'all are stuck in a marriage, in a relationship, in an abusive situation, in financial debt, possibly. It's a health situation, a sickness, a disease. It's a situation that you have no answer for. You know, the Bible is, is one of the books that doesn't hold back when it explains to us that setbacks are real. And one of the biggest setbacks happened to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ himself. And I want to read two passages of scripture, one of a setback. In John chapter 19 and verse number 30, the ESV states this. You can follow on the screen or you can follow in your Bibles. The Bible says this, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Someone say, it is finished. Now notice there, he doesn't say, I am finished. He says, it, someone say it. It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. If you ask me, arguably in all of human history, this has to be the biggest setback that a person has ever seen and witnessed. Most of the setbacks come as a shock to many people because you ask yourselves, why me? What did I do? What did my family do? What did I do in my life that caused me to go through something like this? Why did I have to fall? Why did I have to fail? Why did I have to go through that trial? Why did I have to go through that pain? Jesus is in a similar situation for no reason of his. He is going through a setback, but he's going to make a comeback very soon. Now, there's no, uh, there's no need for me to hide the comeback till the very end because we all know what the comeback is, and it's very clearly written in Matthew chapter 28, verse 5 to 6. The angel said to the women, the women that have traveled from afar to come to the tomb of Jesus, to come and they come bearing incense and fragrances to make sure that the place smells good. And the angel comes up and looks at them and says, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. He has risen just as he said. Let's talk about setbacks for a minute here today. The setback or setbacks in your life are often things that God uses, circumstances, situation, chapters, periods, seasons in your life that God uses as crucibles that God sets you up for a big comeback. Oftentimes, we don't have the capacity and the ability to view setbacks as vehicles. We don't have the ability when we're going through setbacks to view those painful experiences as tools that God is using for his glory. But in and through all of that, what does God require of us? For Jesus, the setback was, was the cross. The, the Bible is very clear. He, Jesus looks and he says, it is finished. Before he bowed down and he gave up his spirit, Jesus says, it is finished. 
In one word, the Greek, the Greek word used over there is this word tetelestai, which means it is finished. Interesting, because it's in present perfect sense. Uh, tense, sorry. Tense, tenses in verbs actually matter a lot. It means that the action was completed, but it continues to the present. It continues to today. An example of that would be the sentence, she has lived here all her life, or he has finished his homework. See, this wasn't just words Jesus used, but what the Bible is trying to teach us today is that same statement wasn't a once, and, once used and done statement. It is still in full effect today. I have good news for us today, that if Jesus can go through a setback that he went through, God is in every setback that you and I go through in our life. See, the word here is very interesting. Like I said, the word to tell, to, to tell us die was a common term back in the day. It was a common term. What was this term used for? It was used for three main things, all right? It was used commonly in everyday language. If somebody got done with their homework, if a kid got done with their homework, he would look at his parents and say, to tell us die, I am done, I am finished. As soon as five o'clock hits, you close your computer and you would say, to Telestai, I am done with the day's work. Come on, somebody, you know how that feeling is. But more commonly, it was used in three different ways back in the day. It was used in a business sense, which meant a debt was fully paid. It was used from a financial standpoint, where it meant that somebody who, who owed a lot of money, that debt was fully paid. And the moment that debt was fully paid, the, the finance officer or the bank officer or the loan officer would send an email and say, to tell us that it is done, it is over, it is finished, it's time to celebrate. You don't owe us anything anymore. It was a moment of celebration. Then there's a legal term. The legal term, a judge would look at a prisoner and say, you have served your time. Five years or 10 years, whatever that time I set for you, you were done with that term. You are free to go to Telestai. The sentence is fully served. And then there was a military term, which meant the battle has fully been won. Uh, a messenger would first come to the city walls and doors before the army could come back into a city, a victorious army, before it made its triumphant entry. A messenger would come in riding on a horse, declaring to the entire city, get ready for celebration because the battle has been fully won. We have won the victory. We are coming back in victory. It's going to be time to party. That's what it meant. See, when Jesus said it is finished, he just didn't mean one of these three things. The good news of the gospel is that he took all three of these applications in one, and he meant all things when he said, your debt of sin is fully paid. When he said, it is finished, he said, you don't have any debts anymore. It has been taken care of. You don't have to live under that pain of knowing, of not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. He was saying that the punishment that you and I should have received for our sins has fully been served. You don't have to spend another day in prison. You don't have to spend another day in the prison of self-doubt or guilt or shame or pain or injustice 
justice. He basically said, it has been fully served. That is what he meant when he said to Telestai, come on somebody. The third thing he said was the battle against sin and principalities and powers of darkness has been fully won. And that is why you and I don't have to stay in sin or the guilt of pain or the guilt of suffering or the guilt of condemnation or the guilt of addiction or the guilt of all these things that haunted you. You don't have to because he said the powers of darkness is under my feet. It is finished. So it wasn't just a statement. It was power and it was called the gospel. Hmm. Some of y'all probably stood there and while worship was going on and you wondered why this guy was screaming into the mic. I looked at Brendan after the first service and I told him, man, I'm scared because you're going to take my job soon. <laughs> Brendan is, uh, came back to the Lord very recently. He has a very powerful testimony. See, when what a lot of people will see is an excited young man standing on stage, but as you heard his words, Brendan loves poetry and he does spoken word. And I looked at him and said, hey, can you share your testimony with people through spoken word? And what you heard was pain. What you heard was sorrow. What you heard was a life that was about to give up, a life that went through setbacks, a life that was pressed down, put down, almost about to end his life when he found Jesus again. As he walked into this church and he met Jesus again, Alana brought him to church and both of them walked into this church and after he met Jesus, I remember a Wednesday night he was here and we had that amazing time in the presence of God, Brendan, where God just touched your heart and moved into your heart and Brendan is a brand new man today. You know why? Because Jesus looked at him and said, Brendan, I'm going to tell you three things. Your debt of sin is fully paid. The punishment that you should have received received for all your sins has been fully paid, all right? The battle against sin and powers of darkness that you go through in your life, your addictions, your pains has been fully bought. You are my son and I am yours. And that day, he got his voice back. He got his reason back. He got his joy back. So what you probably saw was a man of here going crazy, but only crazy people know how to praise God. It doesn't matter. I'm glad he didn't hold back. I'm glad he showed you what he really is all about. Because right now, when you're so happy that Jesus took you from death to life, you can't help but sit and stand and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And I pray that there would be more Brendans out here today. But my, my word to some of us today is we have to accept that word. Accept that word, it is finished. See, that's, that's the tricky part, is, is resting in the finished work of the cross. Not living in that guilt and not living in that shame, but saying, God, if it is finished, I want to accept that into my life and I want to live my life accordingly. See, he fought the battle so that you can live in victory. When he said, it is finished, he meant that there was not one little bit left to make up. He didn't say, I'm finished. He didn't say, my work is finished. He basically said, it is finished. It is done. It has no more voice. It has no more say. It has no more, no conquer over you, no conquering ability over you. He's basically saying, stop striving to keep up. Stop striving to make up. You serve a God who did it for you. 
Gautama Buddha, who is the man behind the Buddhist religion, on his deathbed, his final words were, strive unceasingly. Strive unceasingly. Why would I talk about a man who made, an up, made up another religion here today on the biggest day that Christians celebrate, which is resurrection, because I have to kind of put that alongside and juxtapose that with Jesus' last statement, where he didn't say strive unceasingly, he said, it is finished. When one looked at you and said, hey, it's not you. You just have to do everything you can. As long as you can keep up, God will keep up with you. And the other one said, you don't. You did all this while, but not anymore. I've done it. I've taken it. I have done it. He said, it is finished. What's it? It was the mission. It was the fulfillment of a bunch of prophecies thousands of years ago that said there would be redemption. See, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law that said, man, there is no more, no more sin, no more pain. It, it means that Satan has been defeated and rendered powerless. It means Jesus. Genesis 3, which said the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. When he said it is finished, he said Genesis 3 has come to life right now. See, the work of redemption that the Father gave Jesus was accomplished. He said, Father, the sin has been atoned for. It's been done. And man, when he said finished, he was saying this chapter is finished. And I want to remind some of y'all today, unless a chapter finishes in your life, God can't start the next chapter. Some of us are holding on to one chapter of pain and suffering that God's like, man, unless you put a period to that chapter, God cannot do something in your life that can open up the, 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 the next phase of what God can and will do in your life. Jesus looked at them and probably said, man, you mock me with disdain, but I'm soon going to reign. I want to remind some of us today, you can't reign till you've dealt with your pain. You can't. See, death was not an end for Jesus. It was a doorway for Jesus. I've read the Bible, church. I've read it. I'm telling you. I want to let you in on a, it's not a secret, but I want to let you in. I want to tell you that, 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 that we win. We do. We win. The setback that came labeled Friday was dangerous, was, was preposterous, was, was, was mocking in the face of Jesus. But the win was called Sunday. It doesn't matter what your setback is. God could use that setback for your comeback. S.M. Lockridge reminds us, reminds us of the setback called Friday. I'm going to paraphrase him here and there, but I've rewritten it a little bit. He said, it's Friday. Jesus is praying. Jesus is sweating profusely. Peter is sleeping. Judas is guilt-ridden. So many of y'all are going through Fridays right now. For many of y'all, you'll have been going through Fridays for the last few years. For some of y'all, it's the pain of Friday that you just can't overcome. But it's Friday. Jesus is praying. He's sweating. Peter is sleeping. Judas is guilt-ridden. But Sunday is coming. Pilate is torn between popular opinion or truth. He fears being canceled or standing up for what his convictions hold true. The council is busy conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. But none of them know that Sunday is coming. 
It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robed him in scarlet. They crown him in thorns and nail him to a cross. But they don't know that Sunday is coming. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard, stands guard at a rock that is rolled into place. They sealed his fate. But remember, it's still Friday. Don't forget, it's only Friday. Sunday is coming. There's going to be a big comeback. What's your setback today? Man, some of us are having, we, we, we have everything. We have the money. We have the resources. We have the house. We have the job. We have all of that, but you're still empty and purposeless. For some other people, you probably don't have those things. And those are the things that are probably keeping you up at night. You don't know what your job is going to do for you. You don't know where your next paycheck is going to come from. You don't know how you're going to pay rent next. You don't know what's going to happen in your future. You don't know if you're going to get married. You don't know if you're ever going to have kids. Some of you are anxious. And can I, can I validate some, some people today? Your anxiety is debilitating. Because I know my anxiety can be debilitating. Some of y'all are probably, Pastor, I never used to have anxiety, but now I have anxiety. It's crazy the number of Christians, the percentage of Christians that are going through anxiety now over the last two years since COVID started is astronomical. It's crazy how the numbers have risen. Christian counselors say there are a lot more people coming in for Christian counseling now than ever before in the history of counseling. Jesus was anxious about the setback. He was anxious about the setback that he was about to face, but guess what he didn't do? He didn't run away. He didn't run away. He said, he said, I'm not okay. Like, I want to validate somebody today and say, it's okay to be not okay. Can I, and, and I'm going to draw this from the Bible in just a second. I don't want you to stand there and think, oh, this is a pep talk. He's, no, 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 this is biblical right here. I want to validate some of y'all in saying it's okay. See, this is what church has taught us. You, it's not okay to be not Okay. You got to have it together. You got to put that smiling face on. You can't go up for prayer because people may think something's wrong with you or something's wrong with your family or something's wrong with your marriage. Never, don't, don't, don't even think about it. Don't ask for prayers because that's a sign of weakness. But guess what Jesus did? Jesus goes up to his disciples, his friends. He says, hey, would you stay up and pray for me? Come on, I need some of y'all to understand this. He's going through one of the most craziest and painful times in his life, and he makes it a point to stand by. He says, can you please pray for me? And he just doesn't, he, he goes and he comes back to check on them to make sure he, they were praying. Because that's how much he needed prayers. Don't just be like, oh, you know, if I'm going through something, people need to find out about it, and they just need to start praying for me. They just need to check in on me. No, no, no. Jesus checked back in and said, hey, are you praying for me? Because I'm sorry to bother you, but I, Peter, Peter, I, I'm sorry, bro. I'm, I'm really sorry. I know that you're sleepy, but I need you to be up for me right now. I, I'm trying to drive this to some people. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be in a setback. It's okay to go through setbacks in your life. It's okay to talk about your setbacks. It's okay to bring along people next to you. It could be your pastors. It could be your leaders. It could be your family members and say, guys, I'm going through a setback and I need you to stand alongside with me. Even on the cross, he couldn't handle it. And Jesus looks at his father and says, father, I, I can't. I, I tried. I can't. Would you please take this cup of suffering away from me? Even though you're meant to do what you're doing, remember there are sometimes that the enemy will put thoughts into your mind to tell you to give up. 
And it's in those times that you need to look at God and say, God, I need your help right now. I need strength more than ever before. See, Jesus was anxious about his setback, but he did not, he did not escape it. Some of us are in denial about our condition. Some of us are in denial about our setbacks. Some of y'all, I ask y'all, hey, bro, how are you doing? I know you're not doing okay. And that's why I'm like, hey, bro, how can I pray for you? Uh, Bro, pastor, I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. I'm doing amazing. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Hashtag blessed. Oh, brother, it's so good. Like, I see you and I'm like, that's not what God told me. I prayed yesterday and and, and God told me to text you and ask you, but that's not, no, tell me. When I say how you're doing, I want you to, so that I can pray for you. How are you? I'm good, brother. We're, how's, how's the family? We're good, brother. How the kids? We're, um, no, no, no. Your, your kids are on drugs. You're not okay. They were smoking weed yesterday. They're not okay. You need to, ask, you need to bring some people alongside you and ask, ask for prayer. No, it, God will take care of it. No, 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 no. You're not okay. It's okay to be not okay. You have no savings in your account. It's, it's, it's okay to be not okay. I, you know, and, and some of you, it's different things for different people, man. Some of us are in su- such deep credit card debt, and some of us have taken out the second mortgage, and some of us, are, our spouse just cheated on you, and, and some of us, it kills you that you don't have kids, and some of us, it frustrates you that you can't pass that class, and some of us, you're mad at God, and, and you don't ever want to get married because that guy cheated on you in middle school. I, I don't know what you're going through. You don't think you can ever be loved because everyone in your life has used you. Stop saying you're okay. It's okay to have a setback. Jesus was going through one of his biggest setbacks in his life. And I want to remind somebody today, do not be in denial because denial delays deliverance. Write that down. Denial delays deliverance. Denial delays breakthrough. When we can get honest with God, see, God starts cleaning up some corners and some messes in your life that you had no clue needed, that it needed cleaning, man. And God starts going at it. See, Jesus was anxious. He had a setback. See, when we end up pretensions, God, God, God's plans, it becomes clearer, bigger, more amazing to us because your setback becomes a setup for your comeback. The more you're open with God and allow God into your mess, God can use your setback as a setup for what God wants to do in your life. Matthew 25, 28, 5 and 6, the angel came to the woman and said, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. Just as he said, Jesus rose up from the dead three days later, man. It was the greatest comeback story ever told. The greatest comeback story ever told. An impossible comeback, if you ask me. And I know for a matter of fact, as I'm preaching this message, God didn't just give me this message for nothing. There are people sitting right here that are going through an impossible situation in your life that only Jesus can take care of. I wanna wanna let you know that you've, you've tried or you think that you got it, but don't try because... Because God's, God's got your back. See, and, and when that deliverance happens, you can't help but sit back and say, that's just God. It has to be God. See, you don't need to justify your, your setback. You know, there, there are setbacks that you go through in your life. The, the angel, you don't need to justify your comebacks as well. The angel was the one that announced the comeback. See, let your comeback be so impossible that you can confidently say, it was not me, it was God, all God inside of this. 
I want to remind somebody today. The morning may last for the night. Friday may last for one day. And there might be some awkward silences in between that comes in the form of Saturday. But the joy definitely comes in the morning. Hmm. Jesus goes around showing himself to people and part of that was showing his scars. And that's what I want to remind some of y'all today. Some of your setbacks comes with scars. Scars that you're not proud of. Scars that you really don't want to show people. See, in John chapter 20 and verse 26 to 28, the doors were locked and Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it to my side. Stop doubting. Believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. Can I take a moment here to talk to somebody's scars? Man, scars are a big part of your comeback. Stop hiding your scars. Stop hiding your past. Be okay with telling people about it. Show them your scars because that gives you an opportunity to say, this happened. This was my setback. But God, I'm still standing in front of you because of God. Come on. Your setbacks are a crucible that God uses for his glory so that you can stand in front of somebody, a Thomas for all you know, and show them your wounds, show them your scars, and say, I went through that, and I went through that pain. I was broken. I was torn but I came out of it victorious. We all have different scars, man. As a kid, boiling hot water fell down on my, on my leg and my thigh. I still have a huge scar that reminds me of that burn. My sister did something worse. My, my dad and mom were ironing clothes. My, my, my big sister thought that she was smart, so she went up, grabbed the iron, and put it on her chest. Okay, I don't know how old she was. She was probably, what, five, six? I don't know how old she was. She still has that scar. Still has the scar. Scars, you know, I, I have scars in my life. I have a scar here. It was, I have a scar, a big scar right here. It's, I, I still don't have sensitivity. When we were building this church, we were building this stage, actually. A lot of y'all were helping out. And I ran my finger through a saw, like a... I'm not talking about like a, like a hand saw. I'm talking about a table saw that's going like, I don't know how many rotations per hour. This thing cut right through my skin. And I know you're all like, why'd you tell us that? No, it cut through my skin, literally ripping my skin apart. I had my, my skin like looking at me like this and saying, hi. You know, literally, it was so bad. I gotta go to the ER. Okay, I'll stop. But, but I, I still have the scar from that. So plenty of scars that remind me of things. In, see, we only like to embellish our successes and our medals. We love the trophy cabinet at home. Our wins are always showcased. But I want to remind somebody today, if you've gone through a setback before, allow the setback and the scars that came with that package to speak into you and speak over people around you because every scar speaks to the past. Scars remind you that you're stronger than what tried to hurt you. Hmm. Man, scars didn't stop Jesus from going to his father. Scars didn't stop Jesus, God, the father, from accepting his son back into his presence. The Bible says Jesus went back into the presence of God and God the father seated him at his right hand. You know one of the biggest things that does not allow people to go into the presence of God because you feel that your scars are too big for God. 
You feel that your pain and your sins and your things that you did wrong in your life, man, God cannot handle. Come on, somebody. Who are you talking to? He looked at Jesus and said, it doesn't matter what your earthly frailties are. I still accept you. Hebrews 1 reminds us of that, that I serve a perfect Jesus. Someone say, perfect Jesus, who is seated on a pristine throne, holding a righteous scepter in a scarred hand. God can entrust you with some amazing things even in your scarred existence. Yes, he reigns as the Lord of Lords, but he's still scarred from his setback. I mean, I have many scars, like I said, and some of them are not physical. Some of them are emotional wounds and psychological wounds. I, some of the biggest scars that we get are from church, from church folk and church people. I hated my local church. I didn't, Growing up, I didn't want to go to church. The, the, the way I pastor right now is because of the scars that were inflicted by me, uh, inflicted on me. The way we, our church loves is because I've seen how a church can hurt people and that's why love is one of our cornerstones because that's what Jesus is all about. For some of us, it's relationship scars. See, when scars usually speak of your past, Jesus is the only one that can use your scars to speak to your future. Let the scars of your past pull you closer to Jesus, that your faith may be, may be multiplied today. I'm praying over some of y'all today. But what is the take back? What is the, what is the big comeback? What does Easter remind you of? Easter reminds me of the love of the cross. See, it's not about the Easter eggs, y'all. It's not about the bunny. We have all of that outside for the kids. But today, even in C-Kids, as your kids are there, they're teaching them today that it's not about the bunny and it's not about the eggs. It's about Jesus. It's about love. It's about sacrifice. Easter reminds me of love. It remember that you're guaranteed a comeback because Christ legally executed that comeback. What does that mean? In Colossians 2.14, the Bible says, he canceled the handwriting of death that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. I need you to listen up because this is going to get interesting. The handwriting of death. Someone look at somebody sitting next to you and say, handwriting. handwriting. What does that mean? Paul is actually referring to the common practice at that time in the legal system where criminals serving in jail would have their crimes listed on a note that was actually pasted onto the wall of the prison where they were kept. That note generally correlated with the crimes of the amount of punishment that they were to serve. Then at the end of the sentence, a jailkeeper would stamp the paper or the judge would stamp the paper, open that door, let them go, and they would say, paid in full. It is finished. This gets interesting. See, Christ served our prison sentence for us. And when he cried out, it is finished, this is exactly what he was alluding to. He took down that paper. He took down those transcripts. He took down every crime, every sin, every shortcoming, every record that you think is written down somewhere. He took it and he nailed it to the cross. And he said, this is for once and for all finished. That's the love of Jesus. 
See, when you realize how, someone, how much someone loves you, you value them so much more. He loves you, y'all. He took 39 lashes for you and for me. The nails on his hands and feet will show you that he loves you. The, the crown on his head, the spear that pierced through his body, the blood and water that oozed out of his body. His heart literally exploded in a medical sense. He gave his heart for me. That's how much he loved me. It was because of love. And you won't know how much you love him till you allow him into every corner of your life. I can't describe this better than this commencement speech in 2019. We're approaching May, the month of graduations, and, and, and most, you know, we're gonna hear a lot of commencement speeches, and most of them, they're pretty predictable. Live up to your full potential. Follow your dreams, shoot for the stars. The sky's the limit, you can do all, it's all the cliches. But there's never been a commencement speech like the one at Morehouse College in 2019 where when the billionaire businessman Robert Smith took the stage as the guest speaker and set 396 graduates free in a moment's time. No, they were not criminals. Reflecting on a long history of African -American, uh, an African-American family, he announced on that day that on behalf of eight generations of his family, he was actually creating a grant that would pay off the student loans for every one of the 396 graduates. There was one guy that actually had around $200,000 of debt piled up. What a moment, y'all. Paid for in a moment. In a moment. You know, the announcement that sets you and me free from the most crushing debt of all time was made in three words. It is finished. Do you know that Jesus made that announcement as he died an undeserved death on an unthinkable cross? Like Jesus was paying the biggest, most consequential debt, most, most consequential debt that I owe, y'all. Why? Because Colossians 2.13, a verse before we let earlier, it says you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Was not, then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sins. He's basically saying, man, he has forgiven all your sins and canceled every record. Man, some of us are, have some setbacks that we're still holding on to. We can't let go of. You need to start, you need to set yourself up for a comeback, but you can't if you're not being real with God today. Get real. Some of us need to write down our setbacks. Some of us need to bring our hidden setbacks into the open. Some of us have just tucked it away so that nobody can ever find out about it or nobody can ever see it. Some of us need to bring it into the hands of God. The things that you need deliverance from and healing from. See, Jesus canceled the setback and nailed it onto the cross. And some of y'all are probably wondering, what do I do, pastor? It's simple. The Bible tells us it's simple. Call in his name. He says, just call in his name. Romans 10, 13 says, for anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Worship team, you guys can get ready to come back on stage. It's that simple for anyone, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Can I talk to you for a moment here? Listen carefully. See, when I think about this, I cannot help 
But think of the moment Jesus had with the two men next to him on the cross. You remember that moment where Jesus was on the cross and these two rowdies, these two thieves, these good-for-nothings that deserved their punishment was hanging on the cross. The guy on one side looks over to Jesus and says, hey, dude, if you are who they say you are, why don't you prove yourself to us? Why don't you get off the cross? I want you to listen closely. Why don't you get off the cross? And while you get off, prove yourself and take me down with you. Are you listening? That's one guy. Save yourself and save us. And then this guy on the left looks to Jesus and he says, Lord, you know what? I deserve this. Like, I'm... I'm pretty, I'm pretty nasty, God. Like, my heart is pretty bad. I, I think I deserve what I... But, but he, looked, he asks instead, he says in Luke 23, 42, Jesus, would you remember me when you, come into your, when you come into your kingdom? Just remember me. Instead of asking Jesus to prove himself and take him down from the cross, he looks at Jesus and he says, can I be taken up with you? See, this is revolutionary, y'all. Like, I don't know on which side of the cross you are. Because a lot of us, our faith is hinged on what God will do or cannot do or how he proves himself or how he doesn't prove himself. And there's another group of us that says, God, you know what? I'm a rotten sinner and I need desperate need of your forgiveness and your love. So Lord, just thank you. And, 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 and this man on the left, man, this, this thief on the cross, there was no baptism. There, there was no communion on that day. There was no Sunday school that he went to. There was no kids' church. There was no child dedication. He wasn't filled in the Holy Spirit. He didn't speak in tongues. He had never been on a mission trip. He couldn't bend his knees, fold his hands, or ask for forgiveness. He didn't say the sinner's prayer. Let's face it, he was a thief. He stole something that was worth the punishment of death on a cross. But you know what Jesus didn't do? Jesus didn't take away his pain or his fear of dying. Jesus didn't smite the scoffer. He let them scoff. Yet, that thief walked into heaven at the same hour that my Savior walked into heaven. Because in the middle of his worst hour ever, in the middle of his most painful hour, in the, the biggest setback ever, he looked at Jesus, simply looked at him and said, I believe. He simply looked at him and said, I believe. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are in life today, but I don't know what setback you're going through in your life. Would you stand up to your feet with me, church? I don't know what season you've been through in your life and what, what you're going through in your life right now. John, can you give me some pads real quick? I don't know what, what setback you're probably recovering from or what setback that you walked into or what setback you faced. But I want to remind somebody today that there's no setback too big for a comeback. 
There's no setback that's big enough to void a comeback. Your setbacks are something that crucibles that God uses to set you up, to elevate you, to put you, to, to give you a place so that you can make a comeback. The angel looked at them and said, man, what are you looking for? Like, who are you looking for? He told you that he would rise up after three days. He told you about this comeback. See, some of y'all, the Lord is reminding you, I told you, the word tells you that a comeback is inevitable. And that's the reminder today, a comeback is inevitable. He told you so. He told you that He is your King and He is your Lord. And if you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you something today. He's not going to take away the pain of the cross. He might not take away the pain of suffering or the season that you're going through. But I'll tell you something. He'll stand right with you and He'll give you the strength to bear every burden. He'll give you the ability to walk through that storm. He'll walk right there with you. You might have walked into the fire alone or you think you walked in the fire alone, but you can be assured that when you come out, you're not coming out alone. You're coming out holding the hands of Jesus because if He took you and He allowed you to go to it, He'll bring you out of it. Your setbacks doesn't have to be the end, y'all. It doesn't. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the Word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.